Hello and welcome to Deep Tech Talk, a tech podcast from BIS Research. I am your host Prasad Gade, and today we have our guest Sydney Lobo. Sydney has an experience of around 25 years in the area of sustainability, clean energy, and environmental management in the energy space. He has filed three patents, published multiple research papers, and is currently an advisory board member of a research institute. As well as he is mentoring various startups. He is here to discuss the prospects of green hydrogen market. Hi Sydney, thank you for joining today. Welcome. We will try to uncover some deep tech insights around green hydrogen market and understand how it is going to impact the overall green fuels and green chemicals industry. Green hydrogen is one of the green fuels which helps in reduction of global carbon emissions. Thus, companies across various industries are adopting green hydrogen. Sydney, can you help me to understand various end-user industries and applications of green hydrogen and how green hydrogen usage is helping to reduce carbon emissions? So basically, uh, uh, Prasad, if you understand, green hydrogen is being developed and is looking is being looked at as an alternative fuel. Uh, basically because it's going to be replacing the conventional fossil fuels in many industries and in many places. As you know that hydrogen is just an H molecule and it does not have any carbon molecule in it. So when it combusts, the outcome of combustion is basically water vapor and there is no CO2 emission out of the combustion of hydrogen. And having such a high calorific value, it does give the heat energy but does not emit any CO2. So that's where it addresses the aspect of carbon emissions. Yeah. Uh, if you look at the end-use industry, mm-hmm. I think uh, the end-use industries would be in the transportation space, uh, mainly uh, transportation uh, uh, by which uh, I mean is the heavy transportation space. You mean the you know goods transport, be it the railways, be it uh, you know fleet buses or uh, even aviation or shipping. So the big uh, uh, transport, that's where hydrogen will play a key role. Uh, whereas in, and it may also come down to four-wheelers, you know, in four-wheelers in the sense passenger four-wheeler vehicles. But for the two-wheelers and three-wheelers, I think they will still dominate with the battery-based technology. Um, and that's what I mean by in the transportation space. Of course, there are other industries where it will get utilized, like steel manufacturing, uh, green ammonia industry then uh, you could also use the green hydrogen uh, to combine with captured carbon uh, using carbon capture technology uh, finally to make a met- to make methanol which is again a liquid fuel uh, then you have other chemical manufacturing where hyd- green hydrogen can be used in the refining space where today they actually use uh, the so called whatever color hydrogen you may call it which is coming from fossil fuels and that's the place in the cement industry. And then, of course, finally, it can also be blended with natural gas, only up to a certain percentage, in order to replace, uh, you know, uh, in order to kind of abate a little bit of carbon dioxide coming out of natural gas combustion. However, for use of power generation, I think it would be a good place where it can replace the DG set-based power. And if hydrogen is made locally at the point of consumption, that's where it would make a good sense to utilize hydrogen in the power industry. Great. So, wide acceptance of green hydrogen by these industries over the time has led to a significant rise in the demand for green hydrogen. Additionally, concentrated efforts by both government and the end users have played a pivotal role in establishing the green hydrogen market. 
According to our study, we have considered four major technologies for green hydrogen production, such as proton exchange membrane electrolyzer, uh, alkaline electrolyzer, anion exchange membrane, and solid oxide electrolyzer. Signy, how anion exchange membrane and solid oxide electrolyzer are expected to gain traction in upcoming future, and what are the steps taken by the companies to promote these technologies? So, if you look at the entire electrolyzer space, as you mentioned, there are these four type of electrolyzers today. Of course, there is a lot of research going on in other type of uh, electrolyzers as well. Uh, but let's just talk about these four first. Alkaline electrolyzers are the oldest, and you know, are used for large scale hydrogen generation. A lot of R&D and research has gone in the alkaline electrolyzer space, and they've been operating commercially for quite a few years. PEN is the second in line, which basically was an extension of the fuel cell. So there has also been a lot of research in the PEN electrolyzer space, or the PEN fuel cell and then electrolyzer space. So they have also kind of set themselves in the commercial market. Anion exchange membranes, uh, you know, they follow basically the similar logic as a PEM, but it's only that the membranes are different because one has an exchange of the anion, the other one has an exchange of the proton. Um, whereas the solid oxide electrolyzers are the youngest, uh, there are very few players in the market who have kind of got, who have got a commercial uh, solid oxide electrolyzer product. Uh, so the uh, last two, that is the anion exchange membrane and the solid oxide electrolyzers, have to still prove themselves uh, in the commercial space. Now, there is a lot of, uh, or rather there is mention that both these electrolyzers would have an impact on a, on a lower levelized cost of hydrogen because the capex itself would be lower on, these, on, on this hardware. Uh, however, that still needs to be seen. Uh, in uh, some of the years to come. Um, however, what companies are focused on is basically what is the levelized cost of hydrogen. And of course, if we are talking specifically of green hydrogen, then what's the levelized cost of hydrogen? Now, if it is a tried and tested technology and gives uh, the least uh, levelized cost of hydrogen, then that's what they will go for. You know, because as an organization, as, as an industry, they will obviously look at what is the lowest cost of the hydrogen. For more recent technologies, be it the solid oxide or you know, even the anion exchange uh, membrane, companies might be willing to host the technologies to prove, you know, to prove the yields and the development, and to prove that okay, the levelized cost of hydrogen is low. But uh, you know, they have uh, a very low risk appetite, and companies will not take that risk for large volumes. Uh, with a new technology which has been developed, demonstrated, etc., but it still had, it might need a number of years in the commercial deployment to prove its worth. So that's that's where uh, you know it, it it will take a time. It will take some time for the solid oxide electrolyzer and the anion exchange membrane to kind of prove themselves. Uh, yes, great. Uh, we have also analyzed in a similar way that uh, proton exchange membrane and the alkaline electrolyzer are currently under the commercial scale while the other two are under the lab or the pilot scale. And however, technological and uh, technological research and development activities are being carried out by manufacturers individually and in collaboration with research institute to make this process commercially viable. Uh, so according to our analysis, uh, high cost of green hydrogen is major challenge faced by the industry. 
what are the steps taken by manufacturers or government to overcome this challenge also can you please help me to understand other challenges faced by the green hydrogen industry so if you look at specifically the uh, electrolyzers alone mm-hmm. you know the manufacturers are looking at various options to reduce the price of electrolyzers and uh, you know to and also kind of taking a breakdown of the entire system uh, with some of them you know membrane cost being the highest uh, so they're looking at how to kind of reduce that cost they're looking at different materials and things like that i mean that's just for the electrolyzer however if you take a 30000 feet uh, view you know it's not only the electrolyzer which contributes to the levelized cost of hydrogen there is a front end you know there will be a water purification system you know there will be a deionization system etc so those also can be looked at in order to reduce the overall levelized cost of hydrogen and uh, there is a lot uh, you know in and, and specifically now when we go back to the electrolyzer there is a lot of research and work going on wherein you know there are looking at the developments of basically membrane less electrolyzer so there won't be any membrane So that's something is you know which can drastically reduce the cost uh, because approximately about 18 to 20 percent of the electrolyzer cost is just the membrane itself. Then there's also recently I read somewhere you know in uh, you know some research that they are looking at directly seawater electrolyzer. So basically then that will avoid the front end of uh, water purification systems etc. So that would bring the cost down of the levelized cost. Now such technologies will obviously Uh, reduce the cost of the equipment and have an impact on reducing the cost of hydrogen. However, the, as you asked, the major challenge, major challenge that will be faced is transportation. You know, it, it it's very easy to transport renewable electricity because it is transit uh, it's transmitted through a cable or a wire. The transportation of hydrogen from point of generation to point of consumption will be a challenge. and that needs to be addressed you know to look at the overall uh, proliferation of hydrogen usage uh, because hydrogen is a very light molecule and there's something called as hydrogen brutality as well so you need specific materials which are either coated properly and things like that in order to address those aspects plus you know do you compress it do you liquefy it how do you transport it because all those things will also cost so i would feel that transportation is a big point until and unless you know hydrogen is made right at the point of consumption then the transportation cost would be relatively low yes uh, so uh, sydney according to a report published by hydrogen analysis resource center in 2016 there are approximately uh, 5000 kilometers of hydrogen transmission pipeline laid around the world which are expected to increase with ongoing developments in the developed regions such as north america and europe for instance uh, large capacities of import terminals are being built in germany do you agree with this sir yeah it is possible i mean import terminals will come in they will take in the hydrogen but then from there it has to go to the point of consumption that's what i'm talking about is how do you take it to the point of consumption because i mean already let's Just take for example, you know the steel industry or the cement industry. That is already been, you know, there's a factory already in place. Uh, if green hydrogen has been has to be taken to that location, mm-hmm. that's the last mile or you know from excuse me from the port to point of consumption. That is 
going to be something which needs to be uh, thought about or I, yeah, that is either you kind of uh, transport hydrogen in a different form and you know it could be transported as ammonia and then reformed back into hydrogen and then utilized so uh, one will have to look at which is the best way uh, you know the techno economical way and least energy consuming way to transport hydrogen mm -hmm. okay i got it, got it sydney Uh, so we have analyzed that lot of new capacities are planned in near future. Will the demand for hydro green hydrogen increase accordingly? Uh, what would be the supply versus demand scenario for green hydrogen market in upcoming decades? So um, things are moving very fast, and sure announcements are made. Uh, you know, but uh, who will be the end user, and what is the price that the end user? uh will be willing to pay you know i, I what let me kind of elaborate and give you a simple example now when we talk about renewable electricity there is a power purchase agreement that okay i will purchase x megawatt hours at this price for this many years etc etc so there is you know there is a buyer and there is a seller everything is in place so the business model is in place now what is the power purchase agreement for hydrogen okay uh, further You know, there has been an over. You know, there has to be an overall picture where now governments will come into play. You know that by year, you know, whatever, 2030 or 2035, there has to be that all heavy vehicles will move to hydrogen. You know, if the big picture is put in place with a timeline, you know, then there will be pressure on the green hydrogen space to deliver, and there will also be a pull from the end user. rather than just being a push from the hydrogen manufacturer so there has to be that pull that you know we need so much amount of hydrogen this is what we are willing to pay so then the hydrogen manufacturer will also know that okay there is a customer for me you know and that's how uh, this demand supply can uh, be expedited you know the entire deployment of green hydrogen can be uh, uh, you can be done faster then the uh, another form is to actually have distributed hydrogen generation using other methods i mean i'm not saying just electrolyzer uh, you know you can utilize different methods which are biomass based you know it could be gasification based uh, you have even biogas based where you could have uh, something like uh, uh, you know the fermentation of biogas in other things with hydrogen and these could be in the hinterland of the country where you know water may not be easily available or sea water may not be easily available and you are competing with someone else for water usage so that's how the demand uh, or rather the supply can be made but for the demand to uh, you know uh, put a pressure on the supply there'll have to be certain uh, so called timelines you know issued by the government that this is by this by this time you know this kind of industry should move to hydrogen or things like that so that there is a customer pull that is created okay. uh so will uh, the transportation infrastructure and uh, also the decline in the prices of hydrogen benefit the uh, demands of the green hydrogen oh yes obviously see if if there is distributed hydrogen generation mm -hmm. you know then obviously the transportation cost will reduce because someone will be generating hydrogen relatively closer to your point of consumption okay 
Now, if, if we are talking about an industry which is based in the central part of India, you know, somewhere in Madhya Pradesh, mm-hmm. and if you're talking about hydrogen generation being done either on the Gujarat coast or on the you know Orissa coast, then transporting hydrogen from these coastal places to the central part of Madhya Pradesh obviously will be expensive. But if you have distributed hydrogen, as I said, mm-hmm. distributed hydrogen generation based on other technologies like gasification or even in terms of, uh, you know, dark fermentation of biogas, etc. Then, you know, that could be done somewhere in MP itself, you know, based on the resources available. So then the transportation cost will also reduce and the levelized cost of hydrogen for the end user in MP will reduce because he's in the middle, he's in the middle of the entire land. So that's, that's what I mean is, you know, how to make it more viable. Okay, okay, got it, got it, Sydney. Uh, so, as per our analysis, mobility is the fastest growing application in global green hydrogen market. Do you see any other major application to get more traction in future? I think one of the spaces uh, where infrastructure is already in place, okay, is basically the natural gas distribution system, be it natural gas by uh, pipeline or even utilization of CNG. You know, now abroad, I, I know places like Belgium, etc. They've already done these experiments uh, in the field, wherein they have managed to blend something to the tune of about eight percent or so uh, hydrogen in the existing natural gas pipeline network. Now, the reason, I mean, one could blend up to about fifteen percent, but nobody is doing that because of issues of uh, you know the infrastructure being old and uh, not being able to handle the hydrogen molecule. So up to about 8% of hydrogen blending in natural gas could be one of the areas which could be next and which will have a larger application across the country. Okay. Now, industrial application with in-situ hydrogen generation could be another aspect, uh, you know, which obviously, as I said earlier, there has to be a pull created by the industrial application or the industrial users in order to uh, kind of uh, you know create that uh, demand and uh, that would be an area which would uh, surely be coming uh, finally as i said you know a little down the line you know carbon capture as you as we started out speaking of addressing carbon emissions carbon capture and creating carbon dioxide blended with green hydrogen and to make methanol, it could open up a complete different economy, you know, a parallel economy of methanol, which is again a liquid fuel and a chemical. So these are areas one has to look at in different spaces in order to utilize this uh, uh, resource. Okay. Yeah. <coughs> uh, so, uh, last question. Uh, currently, major economies and companies are taking initiatives for net zero carbon emission. How do you feel about current scenario in green hydrogen industry and how these targets can be met in the future? According to you, what would what will be the expected timeline for carbon neutrality in the real scenario? Actually, this is, uh, this is a very uh, interesting question. Uh, you said that, uh, you know, in your question itself, you said that uh, uh, they are taking initiatives. Mm-hmm. But nobody knows what are these initiatives that are being taken. Let me explain what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, 
many of the companies, be it you know economies, or governments, or even uh, individual companies, are announcing that we will be net zero by this year, you know, by 2050, 2070, 2040, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. But how are they going to achieve the same? That has not been displaced. Okay. Yes. What I mean to say is today you may be uh, you may be say, um, hundred tons of CO two per day or per annum, mm-hmm. and you are saying that by twenty thirty five I will be net zero. Okay. Mm-hmm. But by net zero, I mean obviously we know what does net zero mean. That if I'm emitting uh, hundred tons, I will also be kind of sequestering hundred tons in some other forms or whatever. So that means net zero. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or or then obviously I reduce my hundred tons to zero tons. Which may not which may not be possible. But the most important thing is what are the steps these companies are going to take, you know, from today to twenty thirty or twenty thirty five to achieve the net zero. Okay. Are, are they going to incorporate carbon capture? Hydrogen going to play a key role? And when are these different initiatives going to be implemented, you know, in order for them to achieve net zero by whichever year they are, uh, you know, whichever year uh, that they talk about? So if this kind of a plan, be it by economists or be it by companies, if they put this plan in place and say that, okay, today I am emitting this much, by 2050 I am going to be net zero, and these are the various initiatives I am going to start in different times, you know, in, along this timeline from 2023 to, to 2050, you know, about these uh, 27 years. By 2030, this is what I am going to do. So hopefully my CO2 emission will come down this much. By 2035, this is what I'm going to do. My CO2 emission will come down this much. By 2035 or 2040, this is what I'm going to do. So that plan, I haven't seen anywhere. And I have not seen anybody disclosing that plan to say that this is what I'm going to do. This is the money that I will require, you know, in order to do that. And this is how I'm going to achieve it by 2050. Now, if this kind of a plan is put out by economies as well as by companies, mm-hmm. then obviously there is, you know, people at large will be able to see whether they are actually, you know, walking uh, the talk that they are giving and whether they are, they are actually achieving it. Plus, obviously, the finance industry will also see that, okay, there is an opportunity for investment. There is a customer available who is willing to do it. So that's where I see that, you know, I, I, I don't see that plan anywhere. Okay, so th- so hydrogen is going to play a key role. You know, carbon capture is going to play a key role. Different technologies are going to play key roles in order to achieve carbon neutrality. But only if economies and companies put out and say that this is the path or this is my action plan and this is how I'm going to achieve it, only then will, you know, everything fall in place. Otherwise, it is just a statement that has been made today and I don't know who's going to be alive by that time to actually say that, okay, you made a statement in 2022, uh, but you've not met it. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. So I put the onus completely on economies and companies to throw out their plan and say, or their action plan. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, things will automatically fall in place. 
Yes. Uh, so you mean to say that uh, the companies and the countries have set net zero targets. However, there is not clear pathway to achieve it. Yeah, I mean there are there are different initi- initiatives. Hmm. Okay. Now let's take India for example. We are talking about uh, earlier there was all renewable energy. Okay. So there was uh, you know we do have solar, we have wind. Uh, now there is uh, they are talking about pumped hydro storage. You know, giving lot of uh, impetus on that one. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, then, then we had electric vehicles come into the picture. Okay. Uh, now we are talking about high, uh, green hydrogen and green ammonia. Okay. So these are different initiatives. But uh, you know, how much is each of this initiative going to reduce the CO2? Mm-hmm. And as India said by 2060 or so, <coughs> excuse me, that we are going to go to net zero. Are these going to achieve that net zero or how much are they going to achieve? What is India going to do in 2035, okay, in order to uh, achieve its path towards net zero, okay? What are we going to, what is the country going to do in 20, um, say, 40 or 2045 Mm -hmm. in order to achieve its goal towards meeting net zero? So that overall plan should be there in place. And it should be out in the open. You know, it's not that it should be kept somewhere in <coughs> in some files or something. It should be out in the open. And it, the same goes for all companies as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Understood. Yes. Great. Thank you so much, Sydney, for sharing your valuable insights on tourist topic. I'm sure this would give a lot clearer understanding to interested listeners on prospects of green hydrogen market. Thank you for tuning in and listening to Deep Tech Talk, a tech podcast by BIS Research. In case you wish to know more about different industries, do visit our website at bisresearch.com and read through different market intelligence studies that have been published by us across industries. If you enjoyed this episode, please do follow us on Spotify and Amazon Music. Thank you. Thank you.